You know, it's kind of cool because if you think through Scripture, Jesus' passion for ladies, it's so evident. It, it really is so evident. And I, I <laughs> tell you a, a short kind of story, a testimony uh, that we heard from a missionary in Mongolia. And the missionary was in Mongolia, and he was serving the Lord, working hard, getting out, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, and nothing was happening. And it was like six to eight years, six to eight years, zero converts. So he was like depressed and, you know, just really short fuse with his family. And this, this gentleman shared this information with us. And just really having a hard time. And, uh, you know, the, the, these couple of uh, teenage girls came over for an after-school program for, like, tutoring and studying with his wife. And his wife was like, I'm going to share the gospel with them. I mean, why not, you know? And so she shared the gospel with these six girls. And these six girls immediately accepted the Lord. And so now you got these six teenage girls coming over to your house once a week tutoring but also learning scripture and learning the bible and it was so cool because in a year there was an entire church plant of like a hundred people because these six girls and i quote this is what the missionary said gossiped the gospel across their community <laughs> and you know i i just i love that because we we limit god so much we're like well oh man th- this is what god is gonna do right whether it's a missionary or whether it's our own life, like this is how God will function in my life, right? X, Y, Z. So step one is this, and then God will, you know, do this, and then even God will be obedient to his word and what he has said. God can do whatever he wants to do because he's God and you're not. So, hi, I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm a leader here at the church, and obviously I'm not Pastor Scott, so Pastor Scott is not here this week, so I will be preaching. Um, so you have the joy of hearing me preach. Uh, try to keep up with my ramblings for the next, what, 45 minutes or so. Um, I am very different in the way I preach. I love it because me, me uh, Pastor Scott, and Pastor Andy are, are very different in the way that we preach. Um, so good luck this morning as I preach. Uh, let's open in prayer. God, thank you so much for this morning, and I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice, period, that we would hear your voice, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, kudos to Oz. Oz is awesome. So we got a new soundboard, and it's super fancy. On your way out the back, just glance over at how fancy the soundboard is. This is the first soundboard that the church has bought in 23, 4 years. So it was due, and so we got a good soundboard. And Oz, uh, can you hear me right now? Everybody can hear me? Did you hear the music and the singing this morning? Oz made that happen this week, so thank you, Oz. Um, I also move while I preach, and so Oz has the joy of not only doing sound, but also trying to do the camera while I move around and preach. Uh, So again, kudos to Oz. Um, So if you want to open your Bibles, we are going to be at first in Mark, Mark 12 this morning. Mark 12, 28. Mark 12, 28. There will be a point um, this morning to where Oz don't even try to to keep up with me uh, as far as the the camera goes. Um, So uh, I want to read this verse, these verses with you uh, this morning. And then obviously this is is a a quote that Jesus has uh, for a section of scripture in Deuteronomy. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to actually compare the two 
verses in their original languages. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy. We're going to talk about the Hebrew. Then we're going to come back to Mark. We'll read Mark first, but we'll come back to Mark and we'll talk about uh, the Greek and a, a little bit in comparison, excuse me, a little bit in comparison of the two scriptures. Uh, and then we'll talk about so what? Why, why does that matter and, and how does that apply to us? Because a lot of times I feel like that's where we fall short in scripture is we can have a really good understanding of it. We can go to the original language. Our doctrine could be sound and we can do nothing really well. And we can talk about it like we know it because we know it. But Jesus had something to say about that in scripture. Get away from me. I never knew you. You can know stuff, guys, but man, know how it, how it actually functions in your life. So we're going to take this and we're going to blow it out and see, okay, so what? How does it function in our life? So let's start with Mark 12, 28 through 34. You guys are probably going to be uh, familiar with this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, okay. Am I in the right? section. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, and he began to speak to them in, sorry. Nope. I'm not. That's what I got. I wasn't in the right section. Now I am. So Mark 12, 28 through 34, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. So, greatest commandment, right? We're all probably familiar with this scripture, and we're all probably have read this scripture several times. So it's, it's interesting because... Jesus is quoting from a section of scripture in Deuteronomy. This is a common thing that Jesus did. Okay, if you guys haven't caught on to how much Jesus loved the Old Testament, you're probably not reading your New Testament correctly because Jesus quoted from the Old Testament a ton. He was speaking to a culture that invested their entire life in the Old Testament, in the Torah, the books of Moses, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs. They didn't have chapters and verses like we do. And so when, when somebody brought something up, it was assumed that you understood where it was. Now, we're really bad at that today. If, if we don't have like a reference, like a, a chapter and a verse, we're like, uh, that's somewhere. And I, I am so guilty of this. It's somewhere in Philippians, right? It's one of the epistles. And I do that all the time. But the difference between them and us is that the Israelites during the life of Jesus generally knew what was being talked about if you said a, a verse, part of a reference of a scroll. Because remember, it was all written on scrolls. So if you said part of a reference of a scroll, they're like, oh, right. And that's right. The surrounding idea, verses around that, the ideas around that idea is this. And they would 
have a basic understanding, if not a deeper understanding, of what was being talked about. So, I want to cross-reference. I want to go into Deuteronomy, and I want to talk about the Hebrew that Jesus is talking about. And keep this in mind. This is one of the coolest things to remember. Jesus is on the spot translating. He, he might be saying this in Hebrew, but likely he's talking to his audience in either Aramaic or Greek. Because it's a mostly Hebrew audience, he may have been talking to them in Aramaic, which means that he's thinking of a Hebrew verse, translating it in his head to Aramaic, who then the hearers are translating it to write it down in Greek. Keep this in mind. Like, this is not stuff that we think about a lot with, with the New Testament writings, but Jesus was, was translating in his head while he was saying this, more than likely. He may not have been. He may have brought the Hebrew up, but he is the perfect Rosetta Stone for the word of God. He is the perfect interpretation for us to understand what God was saying to the Israelites in the Old Testament and now communicating it to the Greeks, to the Hebrews of that day. Translation is a big thing that's being talked about today. Translation of the Bible, translation of the Word of God, right? How many of you guys have thought about the translation of the Bible in the past year? Raise your hand. Okay, so some of you guys, not so much. I, I, I definitely have and gone into some of the translations. You know what the cool thing is? In English, we have it made pretty easy. Our translations are good. They're... Every translation that has been done, I shouldn't say that. Most of the translations that I've heard of, maybe there's some weird one that somebody's translated that I haven't heard about. Most of the translations that I've read or heard about are done from the original language. And that's important to remember. It's not done from English to English. So it's not like the NIV went and took the King James version and they were like, let's translate from the King James. We'll just make it better. That's not what they did. The NIV went back to the original language, Hebrew and Greek, translated that original language into the NIV today. New King James, NSV. So that's what happens with Bible translations. It's not like the translators go, I don't like the way that the King James says this, so we're just going to translate it. And I love that Pastor Scott loves the King James because there's got to be a handful of people left on earth that do. Is that okay? that Okay. I hope he listens to that part and laughs. Uh, I, I don't. I can't. All right, fine. It's cool, but I don't do the King James. So God bless our, our pastor that he does. Uh, but that's the cool thing is, is you can use a translation, and it has been translated from the original language. You are, you are reading a translation, a replica from Hebrew and Greek. So as Jesus was translating in his mind, that's like the perfect interpretation. So before we know the interpretation, let's know the original. So turning your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. You can leave a placeholder and mark. We're going to come back to it if you want or not. If you like flipping through your Bible just to test yourself, that's cool too. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Okay, and then it, that's mixed in. I am parsing it out. Write down that whole section and read it this week on your own time in your own quiet times. But it's interesting because we're reading this in the same language. We just read English and now we're reading English. 
So it's the same thing, right? In, in, in English it is, but let's, let's talk about the original language. Okay, so um, hear, O Israel. And now I'm gonna, we're going to geek out for just a little bit. We're going to go to the original language. I'm going to actually tell you what some words are. We're going to break it down, and we're going to kind of parse it out and see how it compares to the Greek. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jehovah. How many of you guys are familiar, familiar with the word Jehovah? Okay, does anybody know where that came from? First, original. Exodus 3.15, you don't have to turn there, but this is what God said to Moses. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This was in response to Moses' question, who should I say is sending me to them? What? And, and God said, Jehovah. That was his answer, was Jehovah. So Jehovah is the word used in that section of scripture in Deuteronomy, just reiterating, hey guys, remember, this is who we're talking about. It's the God that sent Moses, our forefather. Um, this is where it gets cool. So it's, it's the Lord, our God. The Lord is Jehovah, our God. It's such, so difficult as a translator. It's actually Elohim. Elohim is plural. So it's so cool because it, it's this idea that God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always existed, always. The fall did not constitute Jesus, the Son of God, all, all of a sudden becoming part of the Trinity. It's not like he was, he was new. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Now they need a, a different type of us. So we're going we're gonna to have the son be a new thing. No. The relationship of the Trinity has been eternal prior to the existence of anything on earth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's really cool because this is an understanding for the Israelites already on God being plural. Elo, Elohim, Jehovah Elohim is a plural idea, but what's the follow-up statement in that verse? The Lord is one. So it's super trippy. Right off the bat, they're like, okay, Jehovah Elohim, the Lord our gods, the Lord is one. It's not multiple gods. It's a God, but it's plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The idea is already there. And I think it's one of the most beautiful expressions, actually, of the Trinity. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was the mantra of Israel. This is what they said all the time. You got, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you know they repeated this over and over and over again at very historic, momentous times throughout their culture. So this idea is important. This is something that is the opening statement of the greatest commandment. God is God and you are not. He is who he is, no matter what our understanding is of him. That's who he is. So, again, uh, the, the one idea is pretty basic. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's united, absolute, together. Not, not too much of a different idea there. It's, it's one, unified. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love is to desire to breathe after anything 
absolute. I love that middle one, to breathe after everything. So it's, it's, it's full. It's everything. It's not parsing out pieces of us. So the, the same word, I, I read some of the commentaries on this. In our vernacular, it's actually a similar thing that we have for I love God or I love food. So, right, I've, I've had that conversation too, like, how can you do both to one thing? Well, biblically, actually, it was the same word that they used a lot of times for appreciating something's existence deeply. So you shall love the Lord your God. These are the parts that I really want to break down because this is, this is where it gets really interesting from Hebrew to Greek. With all your heart. So with all is total. It's enough every absolute. Absolute is everything. So you can't piecemeal something out. It's everything in these categories. With all your heart. So the, the Hebrew word for with all is kol and your heart is lebab. Lebab. And your heart in Hebrew, lebab, means the inner man, the secret parts of your life that no one else knows. So this was an understanding that the Hebrews had that there, there's no part of you that's going to be tucked away that God doesn't know about. You're supposed to love him with all of that. All of us have hidden parts of our life. All of us do. Let's, let's just put that plainly out there right now. All of us have secret parts of our life. It's when those secret parts of our life start to get tucked away from allowing God to enter into them that it becomes a real problem. It's not the secret parts of our life that worship God and glorify him into who we are. Maybe it's things that we're struggling with even. But it's allowing God to come in and challenge those things that we're struggling with in the secret parts of our life that brings him glory if we're struggling through them. It's when we build a barricade against God to make sure he cannot come into these sections of our life that problems really start. Because know for a fact that those sections are never stagnant. Say it again, those sections are never stagnant. They will expand. If you try to barricade God out, then you will keep having to move that barricade to keep God out. Love the Lord with all your heart, kol lebab, the secret places in our life. With all your soul is kol nefesh. Let's all say kol nefesh. Now they get a little more interesting once we get to Greek. So kol nefesh, with all your soul. Properly, it means a breathing animal. Also means life, self, desire, appetite, emotion. It's the things that feed us and our passions that keep us going. So loving the Lord with our passions. And this is, this is cool. I love this. God has given each of you a passion. Think about your passion right now. Passion could be whatever. Passion could be writing. Passion could be physical exercise. The passion could be hunting. The passion could be metalwork. The passion could be sports. Now, what God is saying is love the Lord your God with that passion, with that passion, hold it with open palms. Do your passion to the best of your ability, which I'm, I jumped ahead a little bit. Do your passion. Allow the Lord to be glorified through your passion and commit to it. Don't allow your mind to run circles around your mind in the sense of 
justifying that your passion is not actually used for God. It's just finance. I just like crunching numbers. That's not, that's not going to glorify God. Come to me. I'll give you a way to glorify God by helping me with my finances. <laughs> Very much. Serve a brother. You know, but that, the, the idea is this. Like we, again, we're limiting God. Like I said in the beginning, saying this is how God is glorified. It's, it's this, right? This is how God is. This is worship. And Pastor Scott already touched on this, I think two weeks ago, maybe it was last week. The idea of worship, it's not just this. This is just a tool. But there's lots of ways to fix a car or build a house. And it's not all with the same exact tool. God will use your passion if you glorify him with it. He'll use it no matter what. God is not limited to to your focus. But use it for him. Love the Lord your God with your passions. Don't hold them back. Let's go to the third one. Kol me'od. We're all going to say that one. Kol me'od. Who can do a guttural stop really well? It's like a British. Everybody say British. British. That's the guttural stop that you want to think about. Kol me'od. Okay, ready? Kol me'od. Not too bad. Josiah had a little, a little phlegm going on there, but it was good. Kol me'od. Kol me'od means with all your strength, which is literally force. It's muchness, abundance in the highest degree. It's a work ethic. So now we're saying, love the Lord your God in the secret parts of your life with the giftings that he's given you to the best of your ability. Now, If you're in a state of depression, your ability seems terrible. It's not. You've got to remember that. If you are struggling with your ability, God has given you that ability. And maybe you're struggling with it and you're like, my ability isn't good. Maybe you're thinking like, my ability is not adequate to serve the Lord. It is. Your ability is adequate. He has given you a passion. Serve him with it, even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when you don't want to necessarily. Maybe the desire isn't even there. I challenge you guys to do it. Do it. How do we know? I want to talk just, just... just touch on hearing the voice of God with this idea because a lot of times that, that's where this discussion leads to, right? Is like, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know how to serve God with using my passion? Okay, so my, my passion is, is a painting. So what, I, can I, I'm just going to go and paint on the God told me to paint on the wall, Pastor Scott. Isn't it great? It's beautiful. I mean, that would be great actually, but ain't going to happen. You know, so it's, it's this confusion now to where if it's not music or if it's not writing, what, what do I do to serve the Lord? Okay, let's talk about hearing the voice of God a little bit because what, we always say this, right? Every, everybody at the pulpit is always like, so I was, you know, I was praying through the sermon and I heard God. At some point, usually that's, that's kind of communicated. What does that mean to hear God's voice? I want to talk about two, two words just to kind of help us know about hearing God's voice before we really talk about loving the Lord and responding to his voice effectively. Two words, proximity and familiarity. 
If you take nothing else away this morning, take that. Proximity and familiarity. Okay, proximity. How many of you guys can hear what I'm saying right now? Please, everybody raise your hands. Okay, cool. Give me a sec. What we're doing is, uh, who, who raised your hand before? You guys are close to God. Good job. Good job. No, but he, here's the idea, right? That, it's just a subtle little tiny thing. Maybe it's a, a corny, effective way. Corny and effective can go together. Um, to, to show proximity, okay? Here's the thing. How often, good job, boss. Thank you. <laughs> How often are we listening? To God, And be honest with yourself. I don't, want you, I don't want you to say it, but be honest with yourself. How often are you actually listening to God? It's a, it's a struggle, right? Life happens, right? And I, man, I have been on a, a soapbox for years about quiet times. Have your quiet times, daily devotion, reading the word of God, worship music, whatever it is. Having quiet times is so important. Do I do it daily? Do I desire to do it daily? Yes. Do I get down on myself if I don't do it daily? Sometimes. But proximity is everything. And if we are not drawing close to God in some way, consistently, we will not have close proximity to God. God speaks in what kind of voice? In the still, small voice. So how can we hear him if we are trying to do our thing and not draw close to him? And that can happen in a lot of different ways. We're not covering the ways that you can draw close to him this morning. But I am saying you need to recognize proximity. You need to recognize what you're doing on a weekly, a daily basis to draw close to hearing the voice of God. Not just with the intention of hearing God's voice. Because here's the thing. If I go out with Olivia and I'm like, okay, Olivia, I'm going to hear your voice. Go. Cool. Thanks. Hey, have a great day. How would that go over? <laughs> right? Weird. Maybe, you know, and every couple has their own thing. But Olivia's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, but it's, it's hearing the voice in proximity to where it's, it's not just like, check mark, I heard God's voice today. It's like, Olivia, good morning. Done, right? I heard God's voice. I, he I heard my wife. I'm good. Don't make it that. Don't make it that. Spend time and invest. Again, you're depressed. You're struggling with stuff. You get nothing. Prayers, it's a bouncy ball. And it just kind of hits the floor after a while. Okay. I've been there for years at a time, a long two years I felt that way, where it was literally nothing. Okay, still invest, because the further in away you get in proximity, if you're not investing, guess what? You won't hear God, and he could be speaking to you, but you're all the way at, on campus at Cornell, 
Because you have walked so far away trying to justify, trying to understand. There's so many reasons that we can walk away from the Lord. And we can walk away from God looking at him. It's not that we turn our back on God. We can walk away from God. Yeah, no, we're good, right? We're good. Yeah. Draw close. We were actually having a conversation the other day, and drawing close could look like this as well. And I've done this, being mad at God. (laughs) I have been mad at God about some things. And really, it boils down to, I submit to you two of the most likely responses at being mad at God. Number one, forget you. I'm done and walking away. The second one, and this, what, this is what I wrestled with and tried to do well when I was mad at God. Grab him and get him close. You said this in your word, and I don't get it. I don't understand it, and I don't see it. Help me understand. Drawing him close. It's proximity, guys. It's proximity. Draw God close to you often. Because if you don't, you will not hear as well. Okay, proximity. Second one, familiarity. Often. Okay, so in a marriage relationship, what if I made sure, I scheduled it, it's in the calendar, I made sure that I had one hour a week with my wife? We're good. Familiarity, I I am spending time, quality time with my wife, guys. Don't get on my case. It's one hour a week. It's in the calendar. It's scheduled. Nothing nothing interferes with that. It's, It's sure. That would not be a good relationship. And so this, this is something that we have to keep in mind, right? Let's boil it down. Let's make it practical. Let's not just say spend time with God. All right, well, maybe you, do, maybe you are a calendar person. My brother Andy, man, his latticework theology, please go and talk to him about this. It's unique, interesting, <laughs> but it's beautiful. But this is, there, there's different ways to do it. Andy, man, he is, he is a lattice guy. Structure. I am not type A at all, in case you guys haven't noticed. Structure. If that's your guy's thing, praise the Lord. Go after it. For me, put me in the woods, man. That's just, just like, I want to go pick berries and stuff. Not like berries that make me trippy or kill me, but good, healthy berries. Good things. So it's, it's, it's about that familiarity with the Lord. Whether that be enjoying God through his creation by taking a walk in, 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 during your lunch hour, in the afternoon, in the morning, whether it be sitting down with a devotional, a notepad, colored pencils, colored markers, tabs to stick in your Bible that don't rip the pages, cool. That's not my thing, I don't get it, but if that's what you do, then praise the Lord. But here's what you gotta understand, it's gotta be often. It's gotta be often. Because if you don't do it often, you will not know God's character when you start asking him about more intense things. If I had that one hour a week with my wife, what happens when there's a conflict? I got my history, it's one hour a week. And what happens when there's a conflict? What happens when there's a financial decision that needs to be made? What ha- et cetera. Am I going to be able to make that well? Will, will Olivia be able to make it well? No. Often, make it a priority. You, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb. You want to come and debate me after this? Feel free, but you'll be wrong. 
Here's the deal. It's not that you don't have time. It's the famous quote, it's not that you don't have time, it's you don't have priority for it. You make time for what you prioritize. And that is a hard pill for me to swallow at different points in my life. You make time for the thing you prioritize. May we all prioritize the Lord in our life. God forbid we don't. May we keep him as a priority, as the priority in our life. Treasure in heaven and everything else follows. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And that is not easy. It's not like Jesus was saying this or this verse in Deuteronomy is like, you guys are good, (laughs) right? Super easy. This is a difficult thing. In every culture, for our culture, it's difficult than, than for what it was for the, the Hebrews that lived during the time of Jesus. Each culture has their own unique difficulties in ensuring that they live this verse. Love the Lord your God with everything. So, proximity and often familiarity. Fight for that. Fight for that and prioritize it. Okay, so let's go back to Mark. Let's go back to Mark and talk about the translation, the perfect Rosetta Stone. Again, I loved that. I was, I was kind of going through the message and I'm like, who knows? What, do you guys all know what the Rosetta Stone is? Maybe you don't. Okay, so the Rosetta Stone is how we understand a lot of ancient languages. It was a tablet, a tablet or was it a cylinder? Tablet, thank you. But it went into what other languages? Okay, my, my wife is an ancient linguist. Um, so it's how we learned Egyptian hieroglyphics. It's how we understood a language because there were translations on the tablet of the same thing. It all said the same thing in different languages. So again, think of this moment as Jesus understanding fully, because he is God, what was meant in Deuteronomy and saying, here it is, different language, but here it is. Okay. So Jesus translated it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And again, this is the Greek. He may have said it in Aramaic. We'll find that out when we get to heaven. If he did, cool, and we'll get that translation, then we'll have a full understanding of all three languages and how they line up. But Greek, let's stick with that for now. Kurios theos heis. Ready? Kurios theos heis. We're good? So it means supreme in authority, controller or master. That's an interesting one. Right? Supreme in authority, cool, controller. God doesn't control you. Well, it's interesting. That's what Jesus said. So supreme in authority, controller, master. How's that in your free will idea? We could talk about that. That would be fun. Not right now, but that is a fun one. Uh, a deity, supreme being is theos. And heis, absolutely one. A single, absolutely one. So again, not too much of a different idea there. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now let's break it down into the categories you shall love the Lord your God, agapeo, right? We're all kind of familiar with the word agape, hopefully. It's like this perfect love. But here's, here's the translation. To take pleasure in a thing and prize it above all others, be unwilling to abandon it. 
to prize it above anything else. So now we're talking priority. You shall love the Lord your God. You are prioritizing this above all else. (laughs) Before I married Olivia while we were dating, I actually told her, I looked her in the face and I said, if I ever have to choose between your life and my relationship with God, I'm choosing him. And she said, that's why I want to marry you. So I was like, oh, cool. Okay, we're good. Because really, God, like, it has to boil down to that intensity. God is everything. God is the priority. Should be. In our life, he is the priority. And if he's not, yeah, you got to check to see what you're focused on and what that means to you. God is the priority. He knows best. He is glorified and he's got an end goal in mind that we know what the end goal is. Read your Bible. This is the end goal of the kingdom of God right here. You don't have to wonder about it or worry about it. This is the end goal, period. Now, how you fit in that end goal might be confusing in a lot of ways for me as well. I don't get it. How how does this fit in the end goal of what you're talking about? Because it doesn't make sense. That's okay. It doesn't need to make sense to me. So, agapeo, love the Lord your God with everything and be unwilling to abandon it. Okay, holos is with all, which is where we get the English word whole from, holos, complete, pretty simple. With all your heart, holos, cardia. Cardia sounds like, right? And that's where we get our idea of cardio. Cardia means the inner man. Oh, sorry, that's the Hebrew. Um, We're reviewing the Hebrew. The inner man, the secret parts of your life that no one else knows. Greek denotes the seat of the center of physical and spiritual life. So it's the center of your being. It's the main thing that you function with. So that secret place, some similarities there for sure. It's the center of your being. So with all of the center of your being, which means everything on the peripheral as well, with all the center of your being. Holos, with all your soul, holos psyche, which we get our word, psychology, it's in our psyche, holos psyche, with all your soul. Hebrew meant a breathing animal, life, self-desire. In Greek, it's the breath of life, the vital force, the seat of feelings, desires, and affections. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that nobody's taken a deep dive into Aristotle or Platonic ideas. Maybe you have. That's cool if you have, but if not, this is a loaded idea. <laughs> affections. Our English word and what we use as affections is not what they were talking about with Hellenistic ideologies. So if you want to take a deep dive, it's interesting. You don't have to, though, and that's the beauty. You don't have to take a deep dive on the original language, although we're geeking out on it this morning. You don't have to take a deep dive on the original language in order for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through English. Read your Bibles. Pray every day. Pray every day. Like those simple Sunday school things, man, if we would only maintain them for our entire life, memorizing a scripture verse? When's the last time you did that? It's been a while for me. Reading your Bible and praying every day? Man, like, uh, if only. (laughs) 
If only we would do these basic principles, prioritizing God, loving him with all your heart, holos cardia, with all your soul, holos psyche, all your mind. Did you guys catch that? That's not in Deuteronomy. All your mind is, is only something Jesus said that is not in the original language. And what's cool is nobody argued with him afterwards. That would be my thing. I don't understand that because I'm, I'm totally a loophole finder. That's just what I do. I debate for the sake of debating, and I love it. I just, that is my thing. I play, you know, the Sherlock quote, I play the game for the sake of the game. Ha ha. That is what I do, and I love it. I revel in it. So the fact that nobody argued, I'm like, why? Like, if I was there, I would be like, hold up. Like, you added that. Can you help me understand this part here with all your mind? Because there's a fourth thing, and there was only three in the original. Um, However, my wife being an ancient historian and linguist, she's like, well, and she brought up a good point. Maybe the idea was already there in the original language. Now the Lord is bringing it full front to help the, the Greek, the Hellenistic influence thinkers to think, yes, it's also this, just like the original hinted at, here it is, in your face. This is what it is also. Or he's just adding, because he's God, which is also an option. So with all your mind, holos dianoia, that's a fun one. Let's all say that, holos dianoia. Dianoia. Okay, that one means with all your mind, it's a new addition, deep thought, imagination, understanding, our way of thinking. We a lot of times neglect imagination the older we get. We kind of let it, let it take a back seat, right? Because we got to pay bills and taxes. And we have to fix cars and just, you know, right? The, the practical stuff. But I submit to you this, this morning. Your imagination is as active as it was when you were two years old. It's just not unicorns and fairies now. A lot of times where our imagination goes is covetousness or lust. Thinking about something you don't have as if you had it. That's imagination. How about what if the New York Islanders win the Stanley Cup this season? That's some imagination right there. What if the New York Yankees trade Aaron Judge? Hmm. All these things take imagination, and you, you layer it on. You know, I'm just I'm throwing out a couple options. But the point is this. We use our imaginations. What, what if I roll a seven? What if this card is drawn? That's all imagination, guys. It's still active. We still use it. And so I, it's, it's really poignant because what Jesus is, is, is completing or adding on is use everything that your mind does. Everything. Whether it's thinking through bills and taxes or whether it's a Ferrari. Hmm. I want a house. 
All imagination. So all this stuff that's in here that is never seen by us, love the Lord with it. What if I had a million dollars? Me and Olivia love having that conversation because we're like, what, what missionaries could we support fully? You know, like imagine, imagine going to somebody who like is just a really good person, awesome, loves the Lord with all their heart, but they're really struggling financially and they, they have a heart to serve the Lord. Go and sit down with them and be like, look, I'd like to offer you a job. We will pay you $60,000 a year to go and be a missionary in Saudi Arabia. What do you think? Right? But it's this idea to where, like, imagine, like, offering people positions. We're, we're going to offer you a job to open an orphanage in Kazakhstan. What do you think? Like, fully funded. I would be so cool. That's my imagination. It ain't never going to happen, more than likely, but it's, it's, it's cool to process through. Use it to glorify God. Use it. That's what Christ is saying right here. With all your mind, everything. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. You know, I, we owe X on the credit card. Now, now this, we need a blank, a car repair, a hot water heater. I have no idea. How do you glorify God in that? Because what's being said is you can. And it's the how. How do you do it? And I'm not submitting to you that there is one way. There are several ways, I think, to glorify God through our everyday life. Now, you could go as intense as, Lord, help me. Help me with this discernment. Egg foo young, kung pao chicken. I need your wisdom and your discernment. Father, how are you going to be glorified in this moment? God bless, man. If that's, if that's as far as you want to take it, cool. But I'm just saying, you got to prioritize God in the way that you process things, in the way you feel things. Okay, so with all your strength, holos excuse. It's not excuse, it's excuse. It's a double O. I have to listen to the pronunciation a few times. So let's say excuse. It's like an E, E. It's down here, excuse. Okay, Holos excuse is with all your strength. Okay, so Hebrew, it was muchness, it was force, it was abundance. It's not very different in Greek. Forcefulness to the extent of our ability. I want to hit on this again. If you are depressed, you may think your ability is zilch, nothing. You got nothing. It's not true. You have ability. You are created for a purpose. And that purpose is to honor your Father in heaven in many different ways. You are created for a purpose. And God gives good gifts to his children. So if you are really struggling with that, may the Lord bless you through this season because I get it. I get not understanding why it seems God isn't being faithful to what he said to what I know about his character, may the Lord bless you as you wrestle. Because you need to wrestle. Prioritize. Familiarity, proximity. Wrestle with him. Draw him close aggressively if, aggressively if need be. Be Jacob who wrestled with God. Do it all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything inside of you.
You shall, and then the second part. So how, how does this translate into us as well, into each other? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to read you a quote because the same word that is used for love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, agape your neighbor as yourself. That's what that actually says. So Christ is saying the same way that you love the Lord your God, love, same word, agape, your neighbor as yourself. It makes me a little uncomfortable, actually. When I was reading this, I was like, huh. So I want to read you a C.S. Lewis quote that I think matches perfectly with this idea, okay? C.S. Lewis, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption, such as if you met now, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another. All friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. That's hard because I just don't like people sometimes. I, I just don't. So how, Lord, help me, how do I love these people as much as you loved your Father in heaven by dying on the cross? And I've, I've played this role play. play. Play this role play in your mind. Ask yourself this question and process the why for the next year. If you had a chance, no, not if you had a chance, would you go to a prison that does the death sentence and step in for somebody on the Green Mile? Would you go and get electric, whatever, whether it be the chair, whether it be lethal injection, would you step in for somebody who's on death row? Jesus stepped into everyone's place. If you accept him, it's one. If you don't, it's the other. But Jesus stepped into everyone's place in order that none should perish. Stepped into everyone's place so that you wouldn't have to have that eternity away from God. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love each other. Love others that are in Ithaca, in the community, in classes, in work, at the gas station, on the road. God, help me. 
because I do not do good at loving others on the road. Practically speaking, I drive for a living, and man, there's sometimes that I'm just like, it's, this is the worst, and my family will tell you, yield signs, I can't do it, man. It's not a stop sign. It's a yield sign. And there's no one in the stinking circle right now. Go through it. Right? And it is simple as that. What do I say? Is it loving? It can be annoyance and it could be loving. But is it loving? So, who is your neighbor? That question was answered. It was the the parable of the Good Samaritan was the response that Jesus gave, actually. It was uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37. Uh, we'll, we won't go there for now. Um, but I, I want to sum up the message with this. Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 20, 1 through 16. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 20, 1 through 16. It's funny, as I was praying and heard from the Lord... Um, This was the first verses that he gave me for this message, which was very, very different than I thought what this message was going to be at all. I had something planned and half written, and God said no. All right, well, so this was what he led with prior to the greatest commandment. So let's read through this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard. Whatever's right, I'll give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said, no one hired us. So he said, okay, you can go into my vineyard too. When evening came, the owners of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Our response usually to love others as yourself is, Well, they're not doing it. Forget that. I don't have to love them because they're not loving me. It's the fairness idea. And guys, that's just not biblical. You're called to love people. Agape people, your neighbor as yourself. God does what he wants with his grace. That's what I really want to focus on and end on with this idea. God gives grace and mercy and forgiveness to those who he gives grace and mercy and forgiveness to. It's not on us to determine whether or not God gives grace to somebody. That's God's responsibility. That's God's prerogative. 
he will give grace and mercy to whoever he will give grace and mercy to. And if he does it, shouldn't we? And that can look a lot of different ways, guys, so many different ways. That's actually what I was thinking the message would be about is what does that look like? But it's not. It's about this. Love God. Love others. Jesus said that this is the greatest commandment. If that's the greatest commandment, may we do it with all that's in us. May we actually do it and not just think about the theology behind it and the doctrine that led into it. Do it. A tree is known by its fruit. Read the rest of that as well. Don't focus on the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. First, take care of the log that's in your eye. Then you can help your brother. It's not about judging someone. It's about assisting some people. It's about helping your brother and sister. It's okay if they have a speck in their eye that you want to help them with and take care of. Make sure, check your heart, proximity, familiarity with the Lord. Do that. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us the greatest commandment when asked about it. Help us, dear Jesus. Lord, help us as we endeavor to focus, prioritize you, the Lord our God, above all else. Love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as we love every person around us in the same way, to love them. So Father, be glorified. Help us this week. Help us to respond and be proactive, not reactive in loving you and loving others in Jesus' name. Amen.